Eits jolla kali. Welcome, we are presenting another episode of CPS. Cruel Public Schooling. It is the middle ground between unrest and discipline. Between injustice and corruption. And it lies between the pit of a student's fears. And the summit of their knowledge. This is the dimension of education. It is an area which we call the cruel public schooling. A dimension that intends to scrutinize the CPS system through its core from a student's eyes. And welcome back. This is Cruel Public Schooling, a segment where we talk about any injustice that could be affecting either teachers, parents, or students in CPS, and, you know, just, you know, extra information about CPS. So in this episode, we'll be kind of talking about remote learning and just our first week of having class. And we also do have a special interview with Yana Kunichov, who is a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago. And we'll be asking her, you know, any questions about what she has been kind of collecting through like the past weeks she's been covering CPS um, remote learning and the school resource officers. So again, as you guys know, uh, remote learning started on September 8th and it's been kind of hectic in this week you know either a lot of students have had problems with internet or their electronics not working or a lot of them don't have the opportunity you know to actually attend class it could vary you know but attendance rate was actually pretty low on tuesday and wednesday and it kind of like you know got up to 90 percent on wednesday and thursday so that's pretty good i would say personally for my school it wasn't really a problem i would say that good majority of the kids you know attended their classes i would say like I've had full classes or maybe one or two kids missing in my class. So yeah, I would say it wasn't that bad for my school. And I'm not saying it's like that for others, for other schools because, you know, it all could vary and it'll, it's all different situations. But, you know, regardless of that, it has been pretty draining. I would say not for me, but, you know, for almost everyone, including like teachers, parents and, you know, students. Just, you know, the point of having to readjust to, you know, having everything on, you know, electronics or everything on computer could be kind of overwhelming. And just for parents, you know, having younger children would be kind of hard. Just making sure that they're paying attention to their classes and making sure that even the parents are kind of, you know, co-teaching in a sense. And it's going to be a very difficult time for us to kind of readjust and... Hopefully, maybe, hopefully this pandemic ends. Hopefully, you know, we go kind of back to normal again and, you know, have school in person. So, yeah, that's one of my problems with that. Just having to readjust myself and, you know, being stuck kind of in the computer doing like eight hours of work and having to readjust about whatever you're doing. And it's very hard for you to concentrate on that. I would definitely say I probably have other people on my back that would also say that. That is pretty difficult and sometimes I think that even the workload is more than usual. But, you know, it's okay. Um, Everyone's going through everything. But I would say, yeah, it is very difficult for teachers. And I would say more to the teachers who are more elderly because a lot of them don't really use technology in their classroom and just having to readjust completely about having to connect through Google Meets or Zoom or whatever and learning how to kind of control a class or 
through, you know, the internet. And it's very difficult because you can't really do anything. You know, if that student doesn't choose to pay attention, then it doesn't pay attention. And yeah, I would say that's one of the most difficult things I would say for teachers. And, you know, just having that energy. A lot of kids have their mics turned off or their cameras turned off. So I could say that it could create a very awkward tension for teachers who aren't used to having kids, you know, reply back to them or not or something like that. So I, I do think it's very strange for teachers to readjust themselves of just like kind of teaching on a screen and all that. And again, for students, it's going to be very difficult just having to adjust yourself for eight hours or whatever hours you're in school and having that kind of teaching experience and trying the best that you can to learn and pay attention because it's very difficult you 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 can get very distracted because you have your phone right in front of you or you know another thing that might be distracting you it could also be that you have to take care of your siblings or you and your siblings don't have really much space so you guys are kind of sharing a space or kind of dividing out where you guys are doing your work and just making sure that you're not really interrupted so I could get that that is very difficult but regardless of that remote learning is going to be difficult for everyone and there's really nothing we can do about it just you know just be more cooperative and try your best or whatever you're doing right now and going on to that like if you are having any technical problems you can call a cps support hotline that is open at 7 30 to 4 30 p.m monday through friday at 773-417-1060 again 773-417-1060 and you know that's a hotline if you're having any problems that either with your wi-fi or your computer or something like that they can help you out or you know give you either new technology or anything that is that depends on your what you're having troubles with but other than that, let's go on with the interview. We have, again, a special interview with Rana Kunichov, who is a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago and who has recently been writing a bunch of articles about CPS because obviously that's what she does. And we're kind of going to ask her again about her perspective of collecting information from teachers, parents, and students about remote learning and how they're feeling. So without further ado, let's get to that. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Yana Kunichov. I'm an education reporter with a nonprofit news outlet called Chalkbeat Chicago. Um, and that means all I do is write about education and I talk to students and teachers all day. So I write about Chicago public schools and then also charter schools in Chicago. Can you tell us more about Chalkbeat and Chalkbeat Chicago? Yeah, Chalkbeat um, Chicago is part of a kind of national organization called Chalkbeat that has seven bureaus around the country and we all write about education and the, the core idea is that education is one of the most important topics and one sort of the most important issues and that it's important to invest in journalists who kind of become experts and learn about those issues in communities so Chalkbeat Chicago has been around a little over two years now so it's pretty new to the education game but it's definitely been exciting. And what are the main things you report on? So my main interests are kind of twofold. So I want to, the, the, the big questions that I want to ask are like, are students learning? So sort of the, one of the main goals of education is to learn and to ask, is that happening is a big question. And then I think from there, just in my work more broadly, I think a lot about issues of inequality, race, poverty, just like big social issues that I think impact Chicago as a city very deeply. And I think that there are 
complicated ways that that plays out in education. And then the other side of that is to write about people that are doing good work to to address those issues. So I was really excited to write about the school police program and the organizing against that program because it seemed to me a really great example of young people kind of coming together to push for a different a different kind of safety in their schools. So the next question is, as a reporter who follows CPS closely, what are the common things you've seen and like what is your approach? to like doing this work? Yeah, my my approach to reporting is to first and foremost, try and center the voices of people who are the most affected by the system. So like the people who have the highest stakes. So that's students, that's teachers, that's families. And then within that to be pay a lot of attention to like, who is speaking from a position of power. So I definitely go to a lot of press conferences. Um, or I listen to the mayor or the school's chief, Janice Jackson. And I think that's important. But I think my approach also says that the voices of, um, for example, when schools first closed, I was interviewing a lot of custodians and security guards who were helping with the food distribution program. And they're kind of, you know, on the op- opposite side of like how how decisions are made in the district. But I thought that their voices and what they, their opinions about how school safety around COVID was happening were really important. So I try and make sure to, to, interview, to interview those folks. And then some of what I've learned within that is that Chicago Public Schools is a really complicated and important system. You know, it provides education for like over 300,000 students across the city. And it also... Um, right now provides food. So it acts as a food bank. It um, helps connect families to like essential needs. Teachers have started mutual aid programs in recent weeks. So it's really not just about education. It plays a super important social role and that there are um, ways that that plays out that is not always fair to people. And there's also ways that plays out where there, or there rather there are people that with a working within the system to deliver as good of an education and support system as possible to students in the schools. So like very, a very complicated picture. Great. So like, you know, CPS started this week, their school year 2020 and 2021. And, you know, the first quarter is fully remote. So, so I know you've done articles about this topic. And my next question is, what are issues you found out as a result of remote learning? Yeah, I think that some of what I've learned about remote learning that has been most surprising to me. Um, so back in the spring, one of the issues was that like a lot of families didn't have internet um, or they couldn't get internet or they couldn't get affordable internet, they couldn't get computers. So I think it's been impressive to see the district kind of in just a matter of weeks sort of build this operation to try and get internet and laptops to a lot of students. I have also, like me and my colleagues have also seen the, the reporting, the ways that, just like the ways that that was kind of troubling. So, you know, the district paid a lot of money for like older laptops or a lot of people are not signing up to the district's uh, free internet program because they don't trust that it's real, which I think shows like really longstanding issues of mistrust between communities and Chicago public schools. And then just this week, I've been texting with um, a bunch of high school students at George Washington High School. And what I'm hearing from them is that, you know, they really like school. They wanted to see their friends. And I think it's hard for them to get the motivation 
every day that they need to do their work through remote learning, especially with the kind of the six hour school day. So I think that's that's an important insight and in just like how well can this new schooling actually serve people's needs. So yeah, that's great. So the next question is, are there ways low income students are impacted because of online schooling? Yeah, I mean, I think that low income students like in a lot of situations are um, going to struggle more. I think like if you if you're poor, it's harder to access Um, a computer, you might share a computer with siblings, you might not always have great internet. Um, I think a lot of just like the social and emotional learning services or connections that schools provided that could help young people deal with like, if there's violence in their neighborhood, if there's things going on at home, just like kind of some of the ways school provided a, a community to like help young people who deal with that stuff. I think that's all a lot harder to access in remote learning. Um, so I think for me, there's a lot of things that I worry about when I think about remote learning. And one of the stories that I wrote about that made me the saddest was um, last spring, a lot of students after schools closed, uh, the district's first count was 2000 and then they revised it to 500. But either way, hundreds of students just never got in touch with their teachers again after schools closed and schools didn't know what happened to them. And a lot of them were elementary students, they were high school students. And so I think a lot about those students and like, where were the supports that they needed or what may have what may have happened to them. So I think that that's a really important question to consider. Also, then my next question is going to be like, what are the struggles you've made aware teachers have during remote learning? Yeah, that's a really good one. Also, I'm, I would love to ask you a question at the end of this, if that's okay. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's Teacher, teachers are like, this is hard for a lot of teachers, I think, first of all, because um, we didn't know until um, earlier in August, whether school would be the hybrid or the remote, I think a lot of teachers were trying to plan for both. So they feel like they didn't get enough professional development time. A lot of them don't feel like they got enough time to get to know their new students. And I think right now, Chicago uh, Public Schools has said that they want they have a six hour or just about six hour um, school day to make it as much like normal school as possible. But teachers are saying like, that is so much screen time. So I think they are really struggling to keep students engaged. Um, I think just for themselves to do work, top teachers who be caregivers who might have children themselves. Like it's, I think it's hard right now. Okay. So as for students, like what are common struggles you observe they've had? Yeah, I think that, A lot of the young people I've heard about, I think, are either practically or emotionally, like, really hit by the broader situation that COVID has caused in their communities. Like, I think a lot of Chicago communities were already struggling to, like, make rent each month or with food insecurity. And I think COVID has really pushed that even harder. And it's meant a lot of teenagers, um, you know, some of them already had jobs, but they're working a lot more or they can't go to school because they have to work to support their family. So that's one thing that I've heard a lot from young people. I think the other one is like, just really missing the social aspect of school, like missing that connection and the community that they used to have. And that kind of, it's like a sort of a domino system that makes it a little bit harder for them to engage in remote learning or like makes them sad. And then that's harder. So I think both there's like this practical and psychological struggle. Um, I do also really like hearing about young people that are like 
doing creative things to continue connecting with their friends. So like they are doing group chats or they're driving by their friends' houses or just like, I think it's also bringing out the creativity of young people, even though, yeah, I think it's hard. And also for parents, like, are there any issues with them? And like, what are the issues that we can maybe improve or help with like remote learning to run like most more smoothly? Yeah, I think that um, especially parents of younger children, they have overnight become like the co-teacher. So suddenly they have to like figure out all the technology and they have to answer questions and they have to, um, especially when students have like a lot of different classes, they have to go back and forth during the day. So I hear from a lot of parents that that feels really hard and that they want more support in that. I also hear from teachers who have to tell parents things like, don't give kids the answers. <laughs> like That will not help them learn. Don't do that. So I think on both sides, parents have had to take on this expanded role. And they don't always have the support. And I think for parents who work outside the house, that's even harder. Though Chicago ha- does have child care center. The Chicago Public Schools has opened child care centers. Um, and then I think for parents who are working at home, it's trying to both be the co-teacher and do their own job. That's that's a challenge. So I think parenting has has become a lot more difficult. Even even though I will say some folks are also glad to get this extra time with their families, and I think in our normal life may not have may not have happened. And the next question is like, what are things CPS is doing wrong or right during remote learning, and like, what are ways they can improve? The I listen. I try and look for things that are both damn bad and how CPS is working and like supporting the needs of its families. I think that the decision for CPS to go fully remote, even though it definitely is causing difficulties, I have heard a lot of teachers and families say that they're glad that happened, that they were really worried about COVID if schools had been hybrid so that they appreciate that. I think that Chicago has had a really impressive food distribution service that it has continued all through the summer, you know, as food insecurity continues to rise. I think that they have done a good job at um, like the childcare centers. I think that they are like seeing needs and I see effort to address them from the district for sure. The things that I hear from teachers and students about the length of the school day, about the historical distrust that makes it hard to for families to take advantage of like new things like the internet program that the district is putting forward, I think are real barriers to remote learning working well. Because I think I think when you just have communities that have had to be very flexible and adapt a lot to respond to the toll that COVID has had on them or that the coronavirus has had on them. I think I think I have heard that it is helpful when school is also flexible. And I'm I don't think that the new remote learning setup is as flexible as some teachers and families and students would like. And the next question is like, do you find any common ground between between CPS and CTU on topics of like remote learning for teachers, parents, and students? You know, I really wish I was in the room when CTU and CPS were discussing what remote learning would look like. Um, so I have to kind of rely on each of them to to tell me what that conversation is like. I think um, right now they're. CTU has definitely been opposed to how Chicago Public Schools is running remote learning. They have wanted more time. There's a program in Los Angeles called Smart Start um, that gives more time for 
teachers to get to know their students that the photographers union wanted in Chicago. So they were pretty critical. Um, and I think even before when there was going to be hybrid schooling, there was even talk that the union would take a strike vote. So it's been now almost it's going to be almost a year, it's going to be a year in October since the union went on strike. And I think some of the tension that we saw then between the district and the union remains. And the next question also is um, like, what are efforts being put into action to make remote learning going more better for, you know, everyone? Yeah, I would, I would really encourage people to like, and I'm trying to do this as well. So teachers, students, anyone who wants to talk to me, I'm, I'm down. I think like it's really happening at the school level. Like I'm hearing that teachers are saying, you know, if you need to have your camera off or, um, you know, here's a way that we're going to get to know each other. I think that the teachers adapting some of the tools that they use to create community in their classroom and to help students learn to the virtual environment. And I think that's happening in like thousands of different ways across the city, I think is like the most hopeful, just like the most hopeful thing we can look at for how to make remote learning work in the coming weeks and months. And next is, do you find any differences between schools from the north side as to the south side? Like how their education process is going now? Yeah, I mean, I think that every Chicago school is different, but there are like long documented inequalities, I think, between schools on the north, south and west side. There's complicated reasons that happens. Some of it is that um, like property taxes in that area are lower than in others. In other cases, um, schools on the north side might have a friends of group that brings in additional money. So the, the system in Chicago public schools is underfunded in general. So like in general, no school gets as much money as it needs to provide what is considered by experts to be like the full needs of students, but on the north side, um, outside fundraising by parents is more likely to like fill that amount. Obviously, like the north side schools are more likely to have white or Asian students in the south side or the west side. Um, though obviously, Chinatown's on the southwest side. But so I think some of the racial differences that we like the racial and economic differences that we see play out more broadly across Chicago, we definitely see reflected in schools. The thing that I would say that maybe not totally counteracts that, but, you know, like reporting, for example, from schools on the Southwest side, I think there's a lot of communities that maybe aren't going to bring in fundraising money or they aren't going to cut like kids aren't going to come from families that can donate money to the school. But there's like, you know, in Pilsen, Little Village, there's like long histories of organizing and of communities fighting for their schools to get the needs to get like what they need. And I think that that has made schools much stronger because they've had vocal communities that can say like, this is what we need. This is what we deserve and try, try to get them. Does that, does that answer your question? Yes, totally. And the other question is like, what can the media do to try to make CPS more accountable for like issues that are impacting them or just to make CPS have a more clear like platform? Yeah, I think that one way that people can weigh in is the Board of Education has a monthly has a monthly meeting and then people can um, go and sign up to speak, though they've really cut down like what the public comment is 
for those meetings, which is a concern that um, that I've written about. But I think also Chicago is great because there's a lot of groups that do like ongoing activism. So the Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, um, Voices of Youth in Chicago Education, like one of them is on the north northwest side, the other one's on the southwest side. Like there's so many groups, um, like neighborhood and community groups that are fighting for a voice and they use social media as a platform, they use marches. So I think that those are models that I've seen be successful. And the conversation around school police would not have happened this way if it wasn't for their organizing. And to like end this all, the last question will be like, what are other stories you are developing or what what other things or projects are you doing in regards to CPS that we should know about? Yeah, the one thing I'm really excited to write about is how um, classrooms are developing new norms around behavior. Like, when is it okay to turn your camera off? When is it not? What do you have to wear? Because I feel like we're in sort of uncharted territory. And I'm, I'm also really interested in writing about discipline. So I think saying, like, what are students being disciplined for? Like, how can we watch the way that changes um, because of remote learning, I think is a really important story. And then continuing to follow mutual aid groups and just ways that communities are responding to this crisis is really important to me. And we're back. So that was the interview with Yana Kunichov, who again is a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago. And I definitely did find it very interesting about what she was saying and how her perspective as a journalist and interviewing, you know, students and teachers about what's going on with CPS and just having a very enlightened perspective about, you know, both sides and, you know, what's been going on and a lot of the common struggles a lot of students have been having as of quarantine. So I do find it very interesting. And this was the end of Crow Public Schooling, episode six. So I really hope you enjoyed it. But before I leave you guys, I will be playing a song by Pinky Pinky called Margaret. And then that's it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I definitely did. And I'll see you guys in the next one.
This was another episode of CPS. Cruel Public Schooling. Ah!